The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer. We've enjoyed bringing this show since 2005. Your host is Mari Frank, a local attorney since 1985. She's a certified information privacy professional and the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, Protecting Yourself with a Personal Privacy Audit, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. Mari's testified many times on privacy issues in Congress and the California legislature. She served as a privacy expert for numerous court cases nationwide and at a White House press conference featured on C-SPAN. You may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, The O'Reilly Factor, and many more shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash privacypiracy. Mari, what's our show about this morning? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about staying safe, and this is definitely a privacy and security issue. I know I told you about this wonderful man that I heard at the State Bar annual meeting, and I went up to him and I said, Javal, you've got to be on my radio show. He was incredible. He had us mesmerized. And he is the author of several books that I'm actually reading. One I've all all finished, Staying Safe. And that's by Juval Aviv, who is a former Israeli counterterrorism intelligence officer. And I'm going to tell you more about him. And his other book, The Complete Terrorism Survival Guide, How to Travel, Work, and Live in Safety. And we had some incredible, great advice from him. So I wanted to share that with you, my audience. I'm so excited. I just love Juval. He is wonderful. I want to tell you a little bit about his background. He is the president and CEO of Interfor Inc., which is an international corporate intelligence and investigations firm, which was founded in 1979. And he works with the United States and foreign law firms, leading financial institutions, multinational corporations, insurers, and government agencies in conducting investigations throughout the whole world. Interfor's services encompass white-collar crime investigations, asset search and recovery, corporate due diligence, litigation support, fraud investigations, and so much more. Since its inception, Interfor's asset investigation services have recovered over $10 billion worldwide for its clients. And prior to a founding Interfor, Aviv served as an officer in the Israeli Defense Force. We're going to talk a little bit about that. He led an elite commando intelligence unit and was later selected by the Israeli Secret Service, the Mossad, to participate in a number of intelligence and special operations in many countries in the late 60s and 70s. And for the past 30 years, he's worked with corporations and other entities, both domestically and internationally. And he also is on a task force helping the United States States to protect us from terrorism. 
And he's been on all sorts of shows. In fact, he told us about when he was on O'Reilly, which, by the way, I didn't tell him, but I was on the O'Reilly Factor talking about identity theft myself. He's been on uh, Fox News, CNN, ABC's Nightline, so much more. As I told you, he's the author of, of several books, and he's been featured in the Wall Street Journal, the Financial Times, the Boston Globe, the Chicago Tribune, and so much more. But I'd rather just talk to him, and you can read his bio, which is on our website website at KUCI.org slash privacy piracy where you're going to see his face and also you will uh, find out a lot more about him and we link to his website as well. So without further ado, I just want to welcome you, Javal, coming to us all the way from New York City. Thank you for having me. I'm really uh, honored to be on the show. I know how important it is and uh, I'm glad that you've asked me to come on, uh, on the show. Yes, and you are so articulate. I want to tell you, all of us in that room, that breakfast meeting, walked out just mesmerized and just talking about all the things that you were helping us to understand. But I I got a kick out of the fact you told us about um, when you were the subject of Steven Spielberg's movie. Can you tell a little bit about that, how that happened? Because that was really a cute story. Yes, of course. Um, By way of background, I'm originally from Israel, uh, born and raised in Israel, and uh, I was a major in Israeli intelligence, and when Golda Meir became the Prime Minister of Israel, I became her personal bodyguard and her advisor on anti-terrorism. That was in the late 60s, early 70s, when terrorism uh, at the time were as high as it is today. Um, some of the audiences probably um, are too young to remember the Munich Olympic massacre, where 11 Israeli athletes were slaughtered during the Olympic by terrorists who yes. penetrated the Olympic at night. Uh, Golda Meir made a very brave decision at the time uh, to avenge the Munich massacre in such a way that it will send a message to terrorists, you do what you do, but we will find you individually and bring you to justice. The 12 terrorists who masterminded this event and and took part in it um, were hiding in Europe. And Israel couldn't send an army to Europe to to find them. So Golda made a decision to um, put together a team of five commando agents who would go undercover to Europe uh, penetrate the terrorist networks of the day, the Black September, Badaminov, and in the hope that they come across those terrorists and bring them to justice. Um, I'll never forget it. It was Friday afternoon in Golda's office when she came up with this final idea, and she turned around and she said, "And Juval, you're going to lead the team of five. Um, I was 24 years old. I really didn't know what I'm getting into and what it entails. But in my humble mind, I thought, well, I'm going to go to Europe for a few months and uh, hopefully (laughs) find those terrorists and come home. It took four and a half years away from our lives. Um, I lost three members of my team during those four and a half years. But one by one, we did find those terrorists and brought them to justice. Um, I ended up um, in in New York, um, as part of the um, uh, cover uh, at the time of, of my whereabouts and so on. And I got an offer from um, the U.S. government, uh, from the CIA, could you become a 
consultant to us, and in return we will help you uh, get immediately American citizenship and, and, and you can stay in this country, which I took, and indeed in a very short time I became a citizenship, I have dual citizenship, mm. and then at one point I got a call one morning from uh, Steve, and I wrote a book about this whole uh, mission called Vengeance. I didn't write it myself. I had a writer, a Canadian author, George Jonas. The book became a bestseller worldwide, was translated to almost 30 languages. And then one morning I got a call from Steven Spielberg, who I didn't believe it was him, so it took <laughs> him about half an hour to convince me that indeed it's him. And he said, I'd like to do a movie about your, your life and the book. And I spent uh, a great time with uh, Stephen uh, in California, and um, I enjoyed really his professionalism. And the movie Munich uh, is based on my life story. And then he called up and he said, uh, "And Juval, you should meet uh, the actor who is going to play you in the movie." So in New York, I go to the Four Seasons Hotel. I knock at the door. The door opens, and here stands um, a, a handsome-looking six-two uh, <laughs> Australian actor, Eric Benner. I looked at Eric Benner and I said, "Eric, good choice." <laughs> Good choice, but I said, Eric, also look at me, because this is how you're going to look in 20 years from now. I don't think he appreciated that. So that's the story about uh, vengeance, about Munich, um, about um, the dealings with Spielberg. But I bring to the table really the reason um, um, terrorism is unfortunate. When I came to this country, I really hoped I'm, I'm getting away, I'm starting a new life away from, from terrorism in, in the Middle East and Europe, not knowing that um, in a very short time, a few years later, it will, um, it will start in America with 9-11 right. and, and so on. And I am now busier in, in, in assignments and anti-terrorism assignments than I was when I was in Israel. Uh, at the heydays in the old days. Um, and it's really, really what, what I learned, which is the message I'm trying to send um, to the public in America, is that contrary to the way Israel is dealing with terrorism, and there's a reason why it's done that way, in Israel we train the public. Yes. The government has trained the public to be alert, what to do, how to report things that they see, which is unusual, uh, and reported on time. Um, and Homeland Security in this country really, in my book, missed the boat. Um, they don't share it with the public. They don't use the public as, as, as eyes and ears and, and train them to do so. And therefore, we were very surprised when 9-11 happened. Um, and I can say in, in great certainty that we are ahead of uh, another major event. It's coming. Um, it may not be, or it probably won't be, an aviation attack, but it's more in the mass transportation, because this is what terrorists um, um, are doing best. They have more experience, and unfortunately, it's easy to say that it's easier to do it in the United States then hijack again several planes, which is complicated. Yes. It's just putting bombs 
in several cities in the same day, at the same time, in rush hour, either in the morning when people go to work or when they go home after work, when there's a lot of people in certain areas and buses and um, uh, trains and um, subways, and just cause a lot of havoc, kill as many people as they can, and really um, get to our economy, I mean, affect our economy. Right. And, and we know that, uh, based on experience, if, God forbid, there's a bomb in a subway in New York, uh, it Wall Street will be affected by it uh, in few in hours later, um, and the public is not is not really planning. Public in America are very. Um, uh, they, they, uh, I'm looking for the right word without insulting the public, but it's not their fault. Um, Oblivious. We are complacent. Yeah, we become compl- complacent. Yeah, yeah. You know, after 9/11, people uh, thought of. Oh, People really still think the 9-11 was a fluke, it just happened, it won't happen to us, it won't happen in L.A., it, uh, it's, uh, you know, it, it won't happen. And that's a, it's the wrong approach, because if you look at, at Europe, at the chaos in the Middle East right now, the influx of immigrants from Syria and, 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 and um, uh, the nearby countries who are escaping that horror and moving into Europe, and a lot of them will end up in the United States too, because we opened our do- opened our doors for them. Right. Um, those people in few years from now will not really fit to to our to our society. They're not gonna. They're, a lot of them don't have the um, trade. They don't have the uh, education. They're gonna be very very um, uh, upset in few years from now. And and terrorism is the only thing that they know. Well, look punish. at the Boston Marathon. I mean, we saw that, right? Exactly, exactly. And yeah. there are so many other. We did, saw it in London in the in the subway. Yes. We saw it in Madrid in the uh, train uh, train bombing. Right. Um, we have America has never learned from the from history. We are always fighting the war of yesterday. We're not planning the war of tomorrow, and to the war. Of Tomorrow, the next attack will be different than the attacks in the past. Terrorists have figured out it's too complicated to hijack planes. We have spent, America has spent every penny of into the secu- in security and safety into airports and nothing into mass, trans- mass transportation. And right. that's where the next attack will be. Yes. And we will be surprised again. So I I wrote the books. I wrote the book Staying Safe, and uh, just with the idea, I'd like to provide whoever wants to read it with tips that don't require any expansion of money. It doesn't cost to do anything. It's just planning, simple planning. What do I do as a family? What do we do as a family? Right. You are not going to save America. You can't save uh, California. You're not going to do that. It's too late anyway. You need to think about how do I save my own family first. Then I can extend it to relatives, friends, uh, work of uh, where you know to the place of work. Uh, what do we do? How are we prepared in case there is a major event? And when you talk to people, most people are not prepared. Right. They haven't spent a moment thinking what will happen 
if there's a major bombing, major event in L.A. or in Southern California, or even in Seattle, which is one of the cities that is in a plan of the terrorists to do, um, L.A. and, and you know, and the usual cities, Chicago, New York, Chicago, New York, DC, Chicago. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the, the main cities. Right. So the question is always when people ask me, what do we do? Yeah. Well, the most important thing for a family is to get together on a Sunday afternoon, sit and talk, because what happened in, in New York during 9-11 is really the best school of what we need to look for and prepare for. Uh, parents took their kids uh, to kindergartens, to, um, to schools, dropped the kids off, went to work, and a lot of those parents never came out of the Twin Towers. Mm-hmm. Suddenly those kids had no parents to pick them up by the end of the day. And worse than that, they have never made arrangements with any relative or any friend. If I cannot pick up my kids, can you pick up my kids? Right. And Or vice versa, we, I, we, if you cannot, we'll pick your kids up. What have happened in New York during 9-11, um, by the end of the day, kids were stranded in schools where parents didn't, make any arrangement for them to be picked up. Mm. Parents were dead. The poor kids didn't even know the parents were, the parents perished already. They were stranded on the streets crying, waiting for somebody Mm -hmm. to pick them up. Worse than that, the teachers in some of the schools left the school and ran to take care of their own kids, which is human. So just taking that lesson for a moment and say, have you made any arrangements what do you do? Have you made arrangements with friends or relatives or neighbors about picking up your kids from school, kindergarten, wherever they are, kids who cannot make it on their own to get home? Yeah. That's the number one thing. Then you need to consider that you need to communicate with your spouse. Uh, you need to communicate with your grandparents and so on. Let now, me just Javal, tell you. I just want to stop you for a second because yeah. one of the things you you mentioned in that talk was that uh, the you know Washington has made a decision that if we have one of these terror when we have one of these terrorist attacks, they're going to turn off the cell phones. Yes. They're going to shut down That's the banks. That's what I'm about to say. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I read your mind. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That's what I'm about to say, that there have been decisions by Homeland Security, by uh, our government, that if major events of those bombing occur, they will shut down all communication. There will not be any cell phones, any landlines for 48 hours. The idea is that they don't want the terrorists to communicate with themselves when they run away from the area. Um, you know, I lived in Israel for so many years, and Israel is a good example of what happened with terrorists. I never heard that in any terrorist activity, uh, three terrorists who just did uh, put a bomb somewhere, running around, calling each other by phone, Ahmed, uh, where are you going to, and, and so on. Uh, don't forget to do this, yeah. or yeah. get your car, or, or take money out of the ATM machine, which also will not work and will not give out cash, and probably um, gas station will not pump gas for 48 hours, too. So the chaos is going to be tremendous. And unless you planned, what do I do in case I cannot communicate with my spouse or with my kids? And 
how do we make arrangements, where do we meet? And God forbid if the attack, if the bomb is going to be a biological bomb or a mm-hmm. chemical bomb, and the whole neighborhood is, go- is going to be contaminated, and maybe you cannot go home anymore. Yeah. You cannot go home for a long time. And you can't communicate with your kids, and you can't communicate with your spouse. Where do you meet? Where do you yeah. meet by the yeah. end of the day? Yeah. Unless you sit down and you say, if we cannot go home, pick up a relative, a friend, not too far away from where you live, but also not too close, because then you're part of the contamination. Mm-hmm. Uh, that everyone will know, if we cannot talk to each other, we cannot communicate, we cannot uh, go home, we are going to meet at uncle, at friend, and, and, and I would take the kids I, and drive on a Sunday and show them how to get from school to this to whoever you picked up as a meeting point. They need to know that if nobody picks them up, what do they do? They have to approach an adult and say, I'm, I've been stranded, I'm in trouble, my parents didn't pick me up, or something. I need help to get and give the address. Hopefully they're going to go to somebody in uniform, so, you know, a fire department, a, a policeman, and so on. But unless you discuss it, unless you, you really make a plan where everybody feels comfortable with a plan, it won't happen. It's going to be too late when it happens. Mm-hmm. Furthermore, and the most important thing in my book, is every family should get themselves a suitcase, a small suitcase, and put in the suitcase some bottles of water, uh, granola bar, a ham radio if you can get one, um, some uh, a first aid kit, and then you should take every important document that you have at home that will be very hard to reproduce if you if you lose it, uh, and make a good Xerox uh, copy of it, and take all those documents, all those copies, and place them in an envelope, and actually make two copies. One copy you keep in an envelope in the suitcase, and one copy you keep at the place that you have chosen as your meeting point. You exchange it with whoever the meeting point you you have picked up. You You take their envelope, you give them an envelope. The reason for it is very simple. God forbid if you have to leave your, uh, your place, your home at rush. Somebody is at home, the kids are at home, sometimes the spouse. Whoever is at home picks up the kids, takes the pets, takes the suitcase, get into a car, and I hope you have guessed your car that you don't have only a quarter tank and a half a tank, um, and, and just drive as fast out of the area as you can. You know, Javel, ever since you said that, you know, now as soon as my my gas tank starts to go down to, like, half tank, we fill it up immediately. Oh, I I have (laughs) to tell you something. I'm not embarrassed to say that for as long as I remember myself, I don't go to sleep at night if my car is not fully gassed. Yeah. To, yeah. the, to the top, because I've seen what have happened during Katrina, during the storms when people had to leave in the last moment, picked up the car, and they were lucky to have a car, and lucky to have um, uh, the family to put into the car, and they drove 
but then they were stuck because they had a quarter of a tank, and all the gas stations were closed. They were all flooded, and they all stopped, and they were stuck on highways. Yeah, and so you already said, yeah, and you already said that Homeland Security would close all the gas stations as well. You got it. Yeah, so it's crazy. All I'm saying is, and, and also, I just want to add yeah. another thing you were talking about is to have cash around because you're not going to be able to use those yeah. ATMs that I you would, talked about as well. You're absolutely right. You need to have in that suitcase another envelope with some money, some cash money. You should have cash on you for emergency because that is the cash that you're going to live on for quite a while until credit cards may not operate at the time because of the lines, the telephone lines are not going to be working. So there's going to be some difficulties to adjust to the new environment if you're alive. And it's not going to be only good to be to stay alive. You want to also be able to get uh, away from the area and and be able to survive a, a week or two until you can come back home again. And again, I cannot urge people to do it fast enough because we're talking about um, uh, a global situation right now with a lot of stress in Europe with um, Russia is invading Ukraine. Uh, it may not be the last of it. Uh, now they're in Syria. You have the whole turmoil in Middle East. You have some turmoil in with China um, uh, trying to expand uh, and take over those country, those islands that uh, they think belong to them. Mm. So we're looking at times, and usually when it gets to uh, Christmas, uh, Thanksgiving, Christmas, primarily Christmas and New Year, this is really the highlight of times when terrorists are trying to do a big event right. because um, because that that's, that's in their mind will do more damage um, uh, to to uh, morale wise to the, the the country they're attacking than just doing it uh, in any given day. Yeah. Um, so I'm saying we're we're getting into bad times, and there's no doubt that. Um, you don't have to build a bunker at home and a nuclear bunker or whatever, and, and this, this is not going to help you anyway. Uh, God forbid if anything happens. Uh, uh, yeah. You need to have a simple plan. How do we, as family, get together? Where do we meet? What do we have with us? Do we have all the documents we need to survive? And, 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 and do we have enough cash just to get out of there? Yeah, Juval, you know, I wanted to ask you about something that when you were talking about everybody in, in Israel is taught from the time they're young to look for suspicious behavior. Yep. And, you know, I want to also say that what you're talking about now, even if someone says, oh, you know, he's paranoid or whatever, which is crazy, like like Bill O'Reilly said to you, yep. um, I, we have been told that within the next three years, there's going to be a major earthquake here as well. So whether it's an earthquake or Katrina or whatever it is, is, we we really do need to prepare. I remember, you know, I'm a sheriff reserve out here, so I took CERT training, which I think all of us really need to be taking that. And I, I told the sheriff's department, I think that they need to have more CERT training, you know, community Absolutely. emergency, you know, because not only do you want to help your own family, but you're going to be, you're, there aren't going to be first responders around to help you. But I do want you to go back and talk about, this seems really important to me. We just have a couple minutes left. I want to have you talk about how to look for suspicious behavior what because this is the travel season is coming number one the number one thing is things people 
or equipment that doesn't belong to the place that you are at at the time. Uh, for example, um, if suddenly there is a truck, a big truck parked in a place that normally there's no truck parked there, um, and the driver left it and disappeared, and it's close to a an important building, a school, a, a something that is really um, could be a major target. That's a suspicious truck. For example, in Israel, you couldn't leave your car for a second in a place that you don't it doesn't belong to, and you'll be mobbed by people who are going to ask questions. What is a truck car doing it? And they'll call the police. <laughs> then people who are out there to do harm are nervous. They don't dress to the occasion. Usually if it's in the summer, they have a bigger coat that, that normally you wouldn't because they have to hide the bombs or the whatever they have equipment under their coat. And there's a lot of and the behavior. They're nervous. They are out out of out of character. Right. That is not necessarily that the guy is a terrorist, he or she is a terrorist. But it's already something to watch and maybe even report. Because this has been the example in Israel. If you go back now to terrorism in Israel, 99% of terrorists who were on the way to conduct a terrorist attack in Israel were caught by citizens, by people calling, identifying suspicious people calling the police and the police arriving because they're trained to do that too. Okay, well, you know what? We are just out of time, Juva. I have yes. to have you back. And I just you want will. you, I just want you, to, I'm going to just give the name of your book and then I want you to give your website too, but you've th- this wonderful book, Staying Safe, and this is Juval Aviv, the former Israeli counterintelligence officer, and the other one is the Complete Terrorist Survival Guide. I have both of them. They're fabulous. Just give your website and it's time to go. It's Interfor, I-N-T-E-R-F-O-R, Inc.com. Wonderful. Juval, keep up all the wonderful work, and we sure appreciate everything that you're doing. And you have a great day. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. and visit our website at KUCI.org slash privacy piracy. Thanks. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.